I was living a double life, you know, even though I was going to school, I was out robbing and there were gang wars and there were shootouts. And because there was so much going on, I didn't feel safe selling drugs. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Leg. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution. God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Leg. Hi, this is Evangelist On Leg. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems, but found answers and a real God. Today, we're going to talk about if there's any hope for those who go to jail for being violent men or women. Well, anger and violence is a tough thing to overcome, but you're going to hear from Corey Douglas today, who grew up in a very abusive environment and lived his life trying to reenact that abuse to men around his life, and he ended up in prison. But in prison, he had something amazing happen that changed the course and direction of his life and his destiny. Corey, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Corey, thanks so much for being with us. Now, you grew up with a really tough background where you witnessed a lot of violence and abuse. Tell us about that. Well, thinking back, I know that the incarceration pretty much started, you know, in my home unit. You know, we grew up in extreme poverty. I mean, we were eating food out of a cooler and walking through the house with candles and most of the times no heat in the water. And mm. interesting thing is we stayed right beside a church and we would have to run hose pipes over to the church to get water. We just, you know, domestic abuse and violence in the home. So as I grew up, I really never had a dad that was there, you know, because of a restraining order that was put on when him and my mom would get into a fight. And so as a child, I was just left to internalize a lot of these things without anyone sitting down and processing through it. I went on up into my teenage years and just began to hang out with different guys in the neighborhood ended up being choked by a stepfather and thrown across the room. And I think at that point, just the seed of bitterness and anger mm. got on the inside of me, you know, because I was always slim and skinny and just felt hurt, you know, and just taken advantage of. I remember something going inside of me saying that when I get older, I'm going to do everything I can to protect my mom and protect myself and family. So Went on through high school, ended up in gangs and smoking weed and drinking and pretty much just living out the pain. So in the midst of the gang activity, I found myself just going overboard toward men, you know, uh, when it came to violence. Mm. And so it's like I was just reliving the past and trying to pay what happened back in my life, trying to pay the abuser back for what he did, but taking it out on others. And so I find myself being extra violent and just blanking out and just going too far with things. And because of doing that, I gained a lot of respect and ended up becoming a leader in the gang. And so at the age of about 17, I had quit high school and I was in the street. I was lost in the street and dark. And I went back and I went to summer school to re-enroll because some just told me that dropping out is not the life. And in the midst of that, I was living a double life. You know, even though I was going to school, I was out robbing and there were gang wars and there were shootouts. 
And because there was so much going on, I didn't feel safe selling drugs. And so what I would do, I said, well, since I got guns, I'll just make money with guns. And so a friend of mine and I, we would rob drug dealers and we would hold them hostage and tie them up and torture them and do whatever we had to do to get to drugs. And the Mm. way the devil really tricked me, he was saying, well, at least you're not messing with earnest, hardworking citizens as long as you're doing it to street people. That's okay. So in the midst of that one night, we're in a situation and my friend ended up taking a guy's life in the process of that. And I was there and I was actually in agreement and I even tried to do it, but my gun would shoot. And I looked at the gun and I cursed it out and wondered why it didn't shoot. And so we got away for about three months and then they called us in for questioning and just trying to keep it real on the street and not want him to go down. The guy was like closer than the brother. We were in and out of each other's house for like seven years and, you know, closer than family members taking each other's mom's places. And so when they called us in for investigation, they told me that he was putting it all on me. And if I knew anything to say something and, you know, I was cursing them out and just being rebellious and resisting and refused to open my mouth because I didn't want him to go down. And I didn't believe in working with the police officers at that time because I was from the street. And so they said, we're going to fry you in the electric chip. And I was, of course, was rebellious. And so when I came out of the interrogation room, they charged him with capital murder. Mm -hmm. And he actually blamed it all on me. And that crushed me. And so I get charged with capital murder. I was six weeks away from graduating, taking pictures from Captain Gal, and my whole life just changed at that moment. Now I'm facing death penalty or life without. Mm, My gosh, you were blamed for the whole situation. What was your emotional response to all of this happening? Well, the initial feeling in my mind was just hurt and unforgiveness, and I had a lot of hatred in my heart toward him. And at that point, I was fuming off of hate and wanted to pay him back because when I got in that situation, my mom called and I heard her cry. And that was the first time I heard my mom break down and cry. And so everybody that I had heard, my dad was a minister. He worked for the city. So it brought a stigma on the family, you know, and everybody was looking at me like I was just like Charles Manson, you know, or someone. And so I blamed it all on him because I felt betrayed. I felt hurt. And it fueled a hate in me to, I was willing to go to prison and do 10 years. And my mindset was just to get out to kill him and to repay him for the pain that he had caused. Hmm. That is understandable because you felt like you needed vengeance from the start. So now it's like double intensified this need for revenge on your friend here. But then something changed your life around unexpectedly. What happened? Well, in the county jail, they had me in lockup because when you have a certain kind of case, they isolate you from the general population. And so I was able to hear a man that used to come up there in the county jail, and he used to walk around the corridors of our floor, and he would just talk about the gospel. He would broadcast it, and he couldn't get close to me because of my crime, but I was listening, you know, Mm. and I knew the history of this man. He used to be homeless. He used to be a drug addict. He used to sleep on the side of the road, and here he was coming back in here ministering the gospel, and I had never heard of anyone delivered from crack cocaine or from drugs. And so when he came and I saw him, he was presenting a message I never heard. He would simply say that Jesus loves you. And if you go to hell, it won't be because God sent you there because of your sin, but because of your unbelief in Jesus. And I had never heard that, you know. And when I saw him, 
he was missing a lot of teeth. He was old. He didn't have a lot of money or clothes, but he had this peace and he had this love and this presence coming for him. And I looked at him and I said to myself, you know, I've never been homeless and I've never been strung out on drugs like him. But if his God could do that for him, maybe there's something to this God thing for me. Corey, let's stop there because I want to have you on our next show to expound more about your supernatural visitation from the Lord. I believe there are many who are at some level dealing with hatred and bitterness. So we want to hear how you overcame all of that. Corey, thanks so much for being with us. I'm excited to have you on our next show. Thank you. Hold on. The show isn't done yet. I have some thoughts to share with you right after the break. Hey, everyone. As an evangelist, I'm really into changing people's lives with a powerful message of the cross. Do you know people are getting set free from drugs, addictions, and internal anguish by the power of the Holy Spirit working through our show? Will you ask the Holy Spirit if He wants you to partner with us financially? Every donation will help us to reach 1 million more people. Think of it, 30 people giving $100 a month will bring this show in front of 1 million more people. Will you help me to get to one more city in the U.S.? You can give by going to awakenthenations.com. Real Life Radio is a ministry of Awakening the Nations, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that depends on your donations. If you would like to find out more about Awakening the Nations or make a tax-deductible donation, please visit our website at awakeningthenations.com or call us at 877-480-4477. That's awakeningthenations.com or 877-480-4477. More Real Life starts now. Welcome back to the show. We're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? What stood out to me is that Corey was abused by his stepdad and he reenacted that abuse towards others in his adult life. Like that bitterness, it took root in his life. And I believe every time he was fighting those other men, he was envisioning that anger towards the abuse that happened from him in his past. And of course, that got out of control. Like you said, he was fuming with hatred and hatred usually eventually will express itself in anger and violence. And I'm sure when he was blamed by his best friend for the shooting, oh man, I'm sure that hatred and bitterness was fueled to the max, where he planned on killing his best friend after he got out of jail. What does the Bible reveal about what Corey is going through in his life from before? Well, it's written in Ephesians 4.31, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. See, according to the scripture, bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking, by the way, clamor is an outburst of yelling at someone. The Bible says that they're all associated together. They all lead to malice, which is plotting evil against someone, which you are hearing because he's planning, he's in jail, he's planning to kill his best friend as soon as he got out of jail. I mean, that's malice. And this behavior is transferable like a disease. It's written in Proverbs 22, 24 to 25. It says, make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man do not go lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. You see, it wasn't necessarily a choice for Corey, but he learned the bitterness and anger from his stepfather. He learned it. And I'm sure the situation of his real father, not there for him, only amplified this anger. But anger, bitterness, wrath, it can all be passed around like a disease. We need to be aware of that, that these are like the seeds that will eventually lead us plotting evil against someone. If we're sitting around and we're entertaining bitterness, right? Like, oh, I can't believe that they did this to me. I can't believe that they did this to me. Then we start getting angry about it. Then we might start speaking evil about them. Then we might start having outbursts of wrath and just uncontrollable yelling at them. 
evil speaking of them, that will eventually lead to malice where we are doing wrong. We're going out of the way to do evil. Now, I know that there's someone right now who would say, I'm struggling with some form of bitterness and anger, but it hasn't gotten to the point of Corey's testimony. But deep inside, maybe you know it is really bad and you don't know what to do with it. You're like, I try and I try. I'm just going to try to suppress it. And you can't suppress it. You don't know what to do. You're just like, well, I'm going to try harder the next time. Or then maybe sometimes you find yourself justifying that anger and bitterness. You're like, well, I should be angry. It's an emotion. It's normal. I'm not angry. I'm upset. Maybe you find yourself doing that, but you're really dealing with this deep-seated bitterness where you are still mad at something that happened from your past. I know that somebody right now, the Lord is just downloading that into my spirit. My friend, Jesus can help to rip this bitterness out of you, but you need to ask him to help you feel forgiven first because maybe you don't feel forgiven because you know that what you feel is bad and you need to ask him to help you forgive those who have hurt you. Let me pray with you right now. Lord Jesus, I'm praying for that person who's saying, I'm dealing with a bitterness and anger, even if it's a small amount. And Lord Jesus, we take a moment to just repent and say, Lord Jesus, we really need you. We need you to rip this root of bitterness out. Lord Jesus, we surrender the need and the desire to get vengeance to see them pay because Jesus, you paid the price at the cross. So we receive that forgiveness and we forgive others in Jesus' mighty name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony and I know that your life was touched. Did you know we have a Facebook page? Just search for Real Life Radio Show on Facebook and find out more about Real Life Radio guests, schedules, and events. That's Real Life Radio Show. See you next time.